Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of Elixir. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. Sweet. Oh, how's everybody doing? Good. Uh, good. We are all in here in San Francisco. We have uh, Ben Mark's friend of show with us today. I am super jealous <laughs> of you guys all being together. Yes, friend friend of the show. Official title uh, like that we've started doling out. Friend of the show, uh, Ben Marks <laughs> is here with us. Say hello, Ben. Hello. I'm having to shepherd Chris around San Francisco. Yeah. He can't go anywhere without that. Yeah, no, he's like my official vision. handler. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a leash for him? It's a metaphorical leash, but yes. Uh, that's that's too bad. Uh, I think you I think you would be good in one of the harness leashes that go uh, over your shoulders. Amos, how was your don't allow you to run. You were you how was your vision quest? You're back. <laughs> it it was fantastic. Uh you know, never never being alone ever in my life really. Uh, was was not something that I realized I was missing, but a few days of absolute quiet and nobody really talking to you is is kind of amazing. Got a lot of relaxation. Although when you come back to the real world after that, and people talk to you in the gas station, you're like, "Could you just shut up?" Like, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> the things you're talking about are pointless. Just just stop talking, please. <laughs> So you truly had a vision quest. You were like, I've I've seen into the heart of the things. Your material needs are no longer important. <laughs> I what is maybe, mo- what's maybe money, man? Not, Have you ever really thought about no. what money is? <laughs> maybe maybe not quite to that level. Okay. I did try to uh, read purely functional data structures while I was in there. the desert. Uh, in, in the <laughs> desert. And I uh, thought it would be a great time to just, you know, blast through that book. And, and, I, and I did realize that there's one really nice thing about not being out in the middle of nowhere. And that is having internet so that you can <laughs> look, look things up whenever you're frustrated with the book. What did you, what were your frustrations with the book? Uh, uh, really just exercises. Uh, some of them I just... I, I could not think of a way. I'm I'm only on like page 23, so so I didn't make it very far before I said, you know, this this might be a pointless exercise to try to read this out here. But there was an exercise about leftist heaps, and mm-hmm. here let me see if I can find it. Basically, when inserting into a leftist heap, there's apparently two ways to do it. One is where you rewrite the state as you go down in order to insert the new one at the bottom. So you're like rewriting the list, which makes sense. And then they said, mm-hmm. write it so that you don't have to do that and use an exception. It's like, what? I have no idea how that works. So I, I need to, I needed to take a step back and, and, uh, look some things up and I just couldn't do that out there. So, uh, I, I read on a little further and all I could think about was how to, that one exercise and I couldn't pay any attention to the rest of the book, so I decided I needed to stop. <laughs> How about you? What do you I, I listened to the episode on the way back. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I mean, I disagreed with, with Chris okay, about yeah. <laughs> uh, consultants, but, but that's okay. I, I guess it depends on the consultant. <laughs> I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet. 
Yeah, Chris, how's day one? Day one at uh, the it's new been, thing. It's been good. Yeah, it's over, somewhat overwhelming. Uh, but, um, I mean, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot to, like, kind of take in. And, but overall, it's been really good. Everybody's really friendly and very welcoming and, um, <laughs> I'd say, surprisingly welcoming. <laughs> <laughs> Given what I know of Ben. Ben seems like <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him not smiling, but I also haven't worked next to him either. So we had a meetup last night, and Chris. So Chris unlocked the achievement of his first day at BR, and then speaking at a meetup held at BR that same night. So I think. So what did you talk about? No one's going to beat that record. I think. It was the real gauntlet. Like it was like go through a day of orientation and like getting everything set up and meeting all these people, and then also, hey, can you give a talk tonight? And then I was I was in too much of like a stupor to say to say no, <laughs> so that I had to go up and give a talk. It was great. Um, yeah. It was fun. I mean, and the crowd was like the the people what there was the topic? were like pretty engaged and had a lot of good questions. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, okay. Uh, I gave my the talk on rap cool. that cool. I gave at um, Lone Star and, and Elixir Days. Slightly more informal. <laughs> um, somewhat, <laughs> somewhat more expletive lady. No, it was really good. So, Ben, what have you uh, yeah. been, been up to uh, other than handling Chris? Uh, well, I was handling Sunny two weeks before, so most of it has been a lot of, oh, of handling of various people. <laughs> Um, uh, no, but it's really nice to have Sunny and Chris join. Um, and, uh, what am I doing? Um, doing more planning for the next sort of couple of years. Like over the last three years at Bleacher Report, we're about moving over to the new system and getting everything working really well. And, and that's proven to be pretty successful. And now we're trying to figure out how we can leverage, like we see some areas that as we continue to grow, might cause problems. And so now we're looking into playing around with like um, maybe some distributed elixir for not for the entire system, but just for the parts that need it. So we can still deploy them. Um, and it's not an all or nothing type thing. Um, and so well, I think uh, there's a new project today that on the second day that Chris is going to get involved with, um, <laughs> which is tangentially related to that. But um, but that, that being said, like we have a lot of projects coming up. And so a lot of it's planning and um, like another endeavor is tracing, like with open census. So we're looking at open census and open tracing, sort of leaning towards open census uh, because Tristan Slaughter wrote the open census library and gets the James Fish Shield approval on that. So um, looking towards that. Do you want to, for people who may not know, do you want to talk a little bit about what open tracing and open census is? Because I think they're they're deeply fascinating and, and really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, the the very basic thing is now that we it's just sort of uh, it's based off zipkin is another um like met, uh, reporting tracing library that you can so if you look at when you use the chrome tools you can open it and see how long it takes to load assets and to see the entire request and response so if it takes one second it takes a quarter of a second to pull up this page it takes you know a quarter of a second to pull up these images um and it's sort of like that for distributed systems so one of the things that we've noticed is when we have high traffic events like yesterday or the day before there was um, the NBA lottery pick um, and for some reason people are very fascinated by that. I mean, I'm not a sports person. Like, I mean, I, and so the, because the NBA lottery is just a lottery for who gets the first number of picks 
So no one actually does any picking. It's just that it turns out that your team gets the first pick in the lottery. So it's it's like a pre-draft lottery. Mm -hmm. um, and our traffic spiked to like 10x, which oh. is, and we didn't really expect that. And, and things were mostly fine, but we, were, we see some some little hot spots here and there. And we want to, and the, the advantage of open tracing and open census, which are sort of two competing slightly different standards, um, is that you can see how that tracing, you can trace this, um, just like with the Chrome developer or Firefox developer tool, you can see how that request response cycle goes so you can find out those areas that are, that are slow or that you are unexpected or, or maybe that you have. Like if Dapper is the Google white paper, that's their open source, or I guess not their open source, but that's, what the, the, that's their white paper, the Dapper paper, and then Zipkin is an open source version of that. And so that's what Google, that's the reason that Google made this thing was to be able to see how, how traces happen in their system. And obviously their system is infinitely more complex than ours. So uh, that's sort of, but that's what we're doing those things so that we can continue to improve. It's, it's super cool. Like you can actually start to see uh, when we've played around with it, you can actually start to see like request comes in to the, the, to the front door of your API. The front door passes it on to this service. This service passes on to this service. That the next service calls into Postgres and you get all of the that tracing data all in like a single timeline. So you can actually see the entire request as it goes all the way through the system. Um, it's, it's super cool stuff. Uh, I think it gives a ton of observability to, to complex systems that have a lot of like different interconnections. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty lightweight as well. Yeah, it's, the, the overhead is very low. The, yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of hilariously lightweight yeah. in the in in uh, at least uh, open tracing is because it's open tracing is open tracing is um it's like the dread fire Roberts. <laughs> it's more of an idea really. Like it's they don't, it's not a specification like at all in in a lot of ways. It's it's mostly just like here's some like core fundamental ideas now implement it in whatever protocol you want to implement it at. <clears throat> and um, it's it's really it, it's like pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's a distinction between open tracing and open census, right? Open tracing you sort of build however you want, but open census says this is the way you build it. Yeah, see I don't know anything about open census. This no. was news to me. I had never heard of anything told me about so. this. I think it's I mean it's a relatively new standard. And I mean the only reason that I know about it is because I was talking with James about it and he's like, Oh, you should look at this. He hasn't led me wrong. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Just no, kidding. The, you know, no, James is great. James is always great. the option. James who? I I missed. Is James Fish or Yes. Yeah, friend of the show. Friend, friend of the show. Other friend of the show. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure because I met with another James this last week. Uh, James James Edward oh, Gray. I had had dinner with him on the way back from my vision quest. How was that? I saw that happen happen on Twitter, and then you were like, "Hey, you should try to you should try to come and have dinner." I'm like, I am several hours away from you. <laughs> like, uh, it's gonna be a long drive. I knew I was just giving you a hard time, but uh, that it, it was pretty good. We uh, talked about house building and uh, and program building, um, and and apparently he thinks the show's okay. I mean, it's not bad. Uh, <laughs> no, no, he said he said he's a he's a big fan. So I guess James Ever Gray also friend of the show. <laughs> Maybe we can just like name everybody in the community and say friend of the show after their name in this episode. That would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 at some point, we're gonna like. I mean, one of the things, one of the like pieces of this is maybe like two inside baseball. <laughs> If that's the right term. Wait, 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 wait. wait. The, like, you start working at a sports company and now you're going to make sports. I know. That's, that's, 
It's perfect. Listen, listen, Amos. This is just this is just blocking and tackling. Okay, <laughs> this is just basic blocking and tackling. All right. <clears throat> you gotta you gotta skate to where the puck is gonna be. <laughs> All right. So so what's your inside baseball? Yeah, what were you gonna say? Uh, one of the um, one of the only, like one of the criticisms we've gotten before is like they're like you name drop so many people <laughs> and you don't you don't say who they are you just like call them by their first name <laughs> and then you just like, and then assume that everybody knows who you're talking it, about. Uh, yeah, that works with Fred though, right? Oh yeah, well we have to mention Fred. Every yeah, we're I think we're contractually yeah, obligated, yeah. but but only his first name because <laughs> his last name's French and I'll mess it up anyway. <laughs> ben, is there anything I'm curious following up on you? What you're talking about uh, the tracing stuff? Is there anything in particular you all learned with regards to your system that um, I mean that you're actually able to talk about that uh, was interesting? I mean, this is so sort of in the proof of concept phase. Um, <clears throat> but the way we've been doing it before is, you know, we whenever um, a service calls another service, uh, we have uh, metrics to monitor that. So we sort of hand-stitched our own sort of tracing so you could see, so you could look at it, you know, you pull up Datadog and you can see this time and, and you can, you know, if we see that there's a, a slow, uh, like unexpectedly slow bar bit or something unexpected happens, we can sort of trace that uh, manually by, by comparing the requests from service to service. Um, but this would just be a nicer way to be able to see that across. And what's like in the Dapper paper, um, the authors talk about how what was really interesting was that they were, and again, like Google, this, this is the method referring to is, is significantly more complex than ours, but they're talking about how they were finding out that these services that were hitting other services, they didn't even realize it was happening. Um, and that's sort of the way that some of our legacy stuff still is, the last little bits that are moving over. I mean, we're not going to be able to instrument this, so it'll still be a bit of a black box, but um, it would be really nice. Uh, going forward as our system does become more complex to, to go with these things in mind so that we don't end up in this situation again. Like, I mean, we had a meeting yesterday, we were talking about uh, the plans for the service and it, it happened to be the service that w was talking about all this legacy stuff. And so Chris's eyes are probably like, what have I gotten myself into? But, <laughs> but that was like three years ago. And this is just the, like snuffing out the last bit of the, of the fire, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, so that's cool. Yeah. When you're doing the the, the tracing, it, my experience in the past is that it, it can have a pretty big impact. So I'm guessing you're doing it on a production system. No, not yet. It's still it's still um, the so we have the the sort of half, the halfway tracing thing where we measure requests and responses. That's just uh, we use Exometer um, to get to all those metrics. But then as far as like the the open tracing, open census stuff goes, that's uh, that's still just me setting up everything on like local environment and trying to move to staging environment by the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but your but your point about um, are were you talking more about overhead like per, like performance yeah, overhead and and how to yeah. decide what to trace and when to trace so that you're not doing too much uh, tracing since it can have some performance issues on your system. I've seen systems brought to their knees from bad choices in tracing so just just how do you decide I'm stuck in my, <laughs> my notes from the dapper papers now whenever i read like a technical book or article i do a markdown i said so i have like because i can't read my own handwriting so now i i, I... <laughs> ben marks calligraphist <laughs> yeah ironically my wife is a Japanese <laughs> <leader, so. laughs> 
and and she said, I'll teach you calligraphy. And I said, Do you, if you want to have a bad time, you can try to teach me calligraphy. <laughs> um, but but so so yeah, so whenever I read like a, a technical book or a paper or whatever, I I have half the screen with the book and half the screen with notes. So let me see if I can find my notes because they talk about um, sampling rates. And you, even this, I mean, I'm not going to be able to find it, of course. So even with like a significantly reduced number of samples, the 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 results seem to be pretty pretty okay. And I mean, they're talking about like nanoseconds um, for spanning and stuff uh, over or something like that. But now I'm totally butchering this. So we can cut this out. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can. No, no, wait, wait, wait. We do so much editing on this show. It's going to be highly edited. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> It's very, it's, it's, you know, blood at all. It's fine. It's, yeah, carry on. Uh, but I wish I'd done this years ago because now I, because I always forget everything. So then instead of having to go through the whole book, I can just read the notes and get, get the. Get the I think you bits. may have just changed mm-hmm. the way I read books. <laughs> I wish I'd done this like 20 years ago because I, I mean, even in like college or whenever, I, I can never read my handwriting. And I, I have the same problem. Yeah. Left hand. Which is why I type. No, I'm right handed, yeah. but I just have. Terrible I, I, I bought a Palm um. 5 to make up for my handwriting. <laughs> I, might, I might be dating myself a little bit. <laughs> Here's a question. Do you do you take notes ever inside your books? Like if you have like an actual, do you ever like print out white papers and, and then take notes on the white papers? Yes, itself? but not in books. I have this like obsession with not writing in my books. And I, um, uh, okay. because I bought some used books for a while and they would have stuff underlined or crossed out that, just confused me and then i thought what if i let somebody borrow my book and it's got all the stuff in there that just confuses them or in a year i read it again and i think that was a dumb note i would rather have it on a separate piece of paper than <laughs> throw away. see i love that i i'm 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 notorious for like taking pens and just going to town on all the books that even like fiction and stuff i'll i'll just like like write down how i feel about different passages and stuff like that and i love being able to go back and look at my sort of I think the word is marginalia. Uh, <laughs> and, and see all that. I don't know. I don't know. I I might have to try it sometime, but it feels it <laughs> just feels dirty to me. <laughs> it's not searchable. Like that's it's not. Yeah, so, it's totally not. Because I do the same thing. Like I would write up books or make notes or fiction, nonfiction, whatever. But then I would be like, I have a note here somewhere in some book somewhere, and I don't know where it is. And then you flip through the pages, and then I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> Well, that's the same thing with buying a a hard copy of a book versus a PDF, right? The PDF is searchable, which is really nice. But sometimes I like to just hold the book in my hand and read it and look back and forth. And it's it's easier Mm -hmm. than staring at it on a screen. I think that's true, especially for something like functional data structures where there's like exercises and things. Um, Being able to flip through Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. is helpful. I did have a question for you, Chris. I was thinking about your talk last night. For folks that are newer to this idea, who are interested in or newer to this idea of distributed systems, right? What would you suggest? I think there was some questions, and it sounded like some questions from people who are newer to this concept or working with this concept last night, as far as like digging in and really wrapping your head around how to really set up these kinds of systems and working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, as a as a kind of getting started, mm-hmm. like where would you learn this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of really good resources that, that have helped me out a lot. Uh, there's the book, um, Distributed Systems. Uh-huh. Um, the, the, the third edition just came out of uh-huh. that, and it's it's really good. I bought, I got the ebook, and then, and then I think the ebook is like free. You just uh-huh. have to sign up for uh-huh. it. Um, but I also, because that book is 
is very important. I, I bought it just since I wanted to support yeah, that. Totally. <clears throat> so I bought, I bought a physical um, copy of it. Uh, that's a really, really good resource. Uh, it talks a lot about uh, guarantees. It talks about um, some really fundamental concepts mm-hmm. like message guarantees. Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to be uh, at most once, at least once? Uh, the, the, the perils of exactly once message ordering uh, or, or message delivery. Uh, it talks a lot about replication and, and those sorts of things. But it's 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 a very um, it, it it's not. It's not nearly as, as dense as like an actual textbook. It's very readable, um, and it's a really good resource. Other things that I learned a lot from, I mean, I learned a bunch from reading all of the Jepson mm-hmm. blog posts. I learned a ton just from just from reading through those, and especially the early ones are really fun. They're really really fun to read because he was not doing this like as his job yet, mm-hmm. and so they're a lot more informal and a little bit more irreverent, and they're mm-hmm. just like they're like a really really good read. Um, you can learn a ton from those. A lot more like just song references and kind of yeah, goofy yeah. stuff. Uh, those are those are really good. And then the third thing is I read a lot of. I mean, it's a combination of things. I read a lot of papers. I went back and I just read a lot of um, white papers, mm-hmm. uh, which was hard to get into at first because I was not good at reading white papers. And actually, uh, I'll mention this because it's it's a good trick. But there's a real good, there's a really nice way to read white papers, or at least the way that I've found that works for me, which is you read it three times. And the way you actually read it is uh, the first time you read it, you just read the intro and you read all of the headline, like you read all like the main topic points and you read the uh, the last paragraph and like that's it. And you read the conclusion. That's all you read the first time through. And then the second time through, you actually read it, but you skip all the diagrams and you skip all the math. And then if you need to know more and you and it's important to know more, then you go back and read it a third time and you actually read it all. But yeah, I just started reading a bunch of papers. I like I picked up the Dynamo paper and I picked up um, some papers on CRDTs and stuff like that and I started reading that stuff. And I was really fortunate in that uh, I'm surrounded in <laughs> hilariously in Chattanooga, like I'm surrounded by these like people who have a ton of experience doing distributed systems. And they all they the majority of them all went and they work for a company called Pylon now. But I've been hanging around with those folks for forever, and they're all brilliant, and they all knew all this distributed system stuff. So I was able to sort of glean all this knowledge from them, and you know, ask them a lot of questions, yeah. and and you know, uh, try to like steal a bunch of their knowledge. Um, so I was, you know, I think there's something to that too, which is like surround yourself with, you know, go to a meetup or go like try to find friends who do this mm-hmm. kind of work who know a little bit about it. Totally. I didn't realize. Those are the things that are that have been most impactful for me, anyway. I didn't realize Chattanooga had such a a big programming community. It's it's not a huge programming community. I feel like it definitely punches above its. It punches way above, above its, its weight, weight. Yeah. <laughs> like for in terms of the people who are who who are working there, um, and in terms of the kind of work that they're doing, it was surprising to find. Um, I just didn't expect it in a city that that of that size, but it's been. It was, I mean, it's it's totally changed my career being around those people. I mean, I came in and these these were all folks who were like real big on scheme and you know had just and now we're doing closure because you could no longer get away with writing scheme for production. <laughs> and you know they just that sort of mindset about things. I mean, these people these are folks who've been doing functional programming for a long time and have been doing distributed systems roles for a long time. And I think as they as they hired more and more people, they kept hiring people who. I mean, they, they did a thing that was really, really good, which I think a lot of companies struggle with, which is they hired people who was 
they hired people who were smarter than them. They hired people who like knew more about certain topics than them. And they continued to like grow in this in this community. And so uh, there's, yeah. It was, it Is that was what you heard, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Sam was looking at me and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, so I've been really fortunate. But I would say there's nothing to, there, there's absolutely nothing better than surrounding yourself with people who have experience and, and finding a community who does know that stuff, whether that's online or in person. <clears throat> And, and hanging around with those folks and talking about it because you'll learn a ton just from their experience. You know, you can't beat hard-won knowledge in that space. So there's a surprising number of connections between the Chattanooga group and SF. Like I'm one, um, someone at work said, hey, these guys are coming out from Chattanooga. Do you want to, you know, want to have dinner with them? And and then Chris sends me a message. He's like, I heard you're having dinner with the Pylon guys. And I was like, how do you know this? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, like, we're close friends. And, and so we had dinner, and they're all great. And it's really nice. Uh, and then we met uh, Neil in, um, in Denver. Uh, he's one of the, he works for Pylon. And, yep. um, and it's just it's pretty cool to see how all these different connections emerge that you wouldn't have expected. Because like, Chris knew about the dinner before I did. So where did you, what desert did you Oh, I was there? out uh, north of Santa Fe, and I actually went and stayed at a monastery. Uh, and no. for, was it like a no speaking? Uh, no, they, they talk. But uh, you can yeah. put on this little name tag, uh, and nobody will talk to you if you wear it. And so I did that for one day. And the hardest part was not talking to myself. Because uh, I'm so extroverted that I would, I would sit there and start talking to myself, and then, and then stop that. And about, it, it was it was good. That was a good thing to do. It made me really think about what I want to say, and and so I basically it's nothing. I don't want to say anything because I'm I'm afraid that I'll be wrong. Um, but uh, no, I had I had a, a really great time out there. The the monastery is supposedly the most remote monastery in the Western hemisphere. So at night you could go out and you could see the line of the Milky way. Um, and just so many stars. And I kind of live in the middle of the country anyway, so I didn't expect it to be much different. It was hugely different. It's, it's nestled in a little, um, I, I guess, Valley between there's like a cliff on both sides and a river that goes through there. And every once in a while, you'll see somebody come through on a raft or a kayak. Oh uh, That's awesome. And, That's so and cool. then that, it's super quiet and and just really beautiful and pristine. I love that you brought functional data structures here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, it didn't do me much good, but it did, <laughs> it did look reading. nice on my table. <laughs> I, I brought name tags. Talk to me. Was there anything that you gleaned from the first 23 pages, though, that was cool? Uh, really, the the same thing that James Edward Gray said whenever uh, I went to eat with him is that when Chris talked about it being a reference book and not a bad book, that uh, Chris must be way smarter than me. And and James said the same thing because it was, it was pretty difficult. Although the structures themselves, I, I would say that I didn't learn anything that was like life-changing there are things that i already knew but maybe didn't think about like if you want to change an element in a list functionally you have to copy every element in the list up to that point and you know i know that i've i've written it i've done it but it's just not something that is in the forefront of my mind 
that that's what's happening. And so it was, it was nice for it to call attention to things like that. Well, and, and later on, so you, have you gotten to the stuff about, um, about like bankers methods and amortized time and all that kind of stuff? No, no, that's way past page 23. Okay. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think we, t- we talked about this on, in our super, like in our, in our private, uh, like conversation <clears throat> yeah. channel, but had you, had you done any ML languages like, like, Haskell or SML or OCaml or anything like that before trying to go through the book. I I played with Haskell in the past. Okay. Uh, so, but because there's definitely if you're having to both absorb the syntax and try to figure out how SML works and then also try to understand the data structures, that can def- that could be more challenging. Yeah, and I I had done enough Haskell that that looking at the syntax in here that's it's not Haskell but uh, what SML is mm-hmm. it's not too bad. It it did take me just a second to parse like the first example, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then after that it, it wasn't too bad. It, I mean the the type signatures were pretty easy the first time though. There, what is there? There's an X in there, like a multiplication symbol, mm-hmm. and I thought, what the hell are they multiplying there? <laughs> and then I realized <laughs> that that was just how they list like the the arguments together. Yeah. So. Instead of a comma between arguments, you have an X. <laughs> so the, the, I mean, the, the big thing is there probably isn't anything super, super life changing in the first like 23 pages, but what you'll find out is <laughs> 24, huh? But 20, just, yeah, just, exactly. Just rub it in, rub but, it in. But page, but page 25 is going to blow your mind. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that you find out is like the thing with the lists, right? Of, oh, I need to copy all this data. Well, that's what you have to do if you want persistent immutable structures like if you're willing if you if you want to have an original copy of it and not right. change the original copy you have to duplicate that data what you find out is there's other ways to create lists using more efficient data structures than than the actual list implementation so you can use trees to implement lists in, in a functional way and that's the kind of stuff that you start getting into deeper into the book is like efficient ways to build uh, conventional data structures but using using efficient ways in an, in an immutable functional context. That sounds cool. So sure. We'll get there. I, I did bring two other books though. What other books? Uh, I brought pearls of functional algorithm design. Oh. Um, that sounds, and... that sounds like a, that sounds like a good light read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually, um, I did get something out of the first pages. Of it. <laughs> so they're, they're, the first exercise in it is like if I have a list of of numbers, not necessarily in order uh, of not what is it natural numbers, whatever the counting numbers zero, one, mm-hmm. two, three. That how do I find the smallest number not in the list? Like if you're using it to point to data somewhere, mm-hmm. and and an efficient algorithm to do that, and they go through. Com- like one way to is to go through and order it and then find the first one where there's a gap, uh, which mm. is, can be slow, takes a while, um, and has a lot of comparisons. But what they ended up doing was using an array, and mm-hmm. you that is the same length as your list number list, and then step through the array is set to default values of false, and step through your list and every time you find an integer 
you put it in to that position of the array. So like if you find a one, the first position of the array, you change to true. And then you find a four and you place that in the fourth position of the array to true. And then when you get through the entire list, because the list is of length in, you know that the smallest number has to be somewhere in length in. Because if I have five five elements, I would have one, three, seven, two, 12. I know that it has to be less than five because I only have five. I I would either have one through five and it would be six or somewhere Mm -hmm. in between. So then they just go through the array and look for the first position that's false. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, that's cool. and so it reduces the number of comparisons that you're making. That's cool. I like that. Uh, I, what was this book again? Pearls of Functional Algorithm Design. Pearls of Functional. Functional Algorithm Design. This is another one that we should probably talk about at some point. We should just start doing like a book a month or something. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And then the, the last oh. one I have is Functional Programming Through Lambda Calculus. Oh, yeah. Oh, that looks that How's that? fancy. Uh, that does sound life changing. Actually, that does sound life changing. <laughs> It's it's pretty good. Um, so I've I've looked at lambda calculus a few times, and really the hardest thing that I find with lambda calculus is just the the default lambda calculus syntax can be really mm-hmm. hard to read. And so they they quickly start to allow you to define names and and stuff, so you can get a little nicer syntax. So, nice. but uh, it's I'm not very far into any of those, but they're they're all pretty good. Well, they're all like reading. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you take on vacation. It's, yeah. a nice, it's a nice bedtime reading, really. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I normally do is read at night. And so since I was away from my kids and stuff, I thought I could, could do some some reading undisturbed. But I find out that there's a little bit of uh, learning in my head of when it's when I read, it's time to sleep. so even in the middle of the day i would read a few pages and then i'd have to put it down and go walk around because i'd start to feel tired a little sleepy yeah there's nothing i love more than making a nice cup of tea curling up on the couch with a blanket and a purely functional data (laughs) (laughs) and reading all night (laughs) and reading it I think we're we're almost on our. Yeah, I know we have like hard deadlines of, of like time. To, yeah, we need to probably wrap up. Um, is there anything you wanted to throw out uh, about like um, no, just anything you want you want to bring up before we before we call the day? I thought you were more of a hammock person. I am. Well, yeah, I do. I do enjoy a hammock. <laughs> I do enjoy a nice hammock. Uh, I I I don't have anything more. Uh, I just need to get this book read and. And and ev- ev- yeah, so we can talk about right, it. Right, and everybody online says the amateurized time is the coolest thing in the book. So I need to hurry up and get to that point. Oh yeah, I should do that. Should we too. should we put a, should we put like a, um we'll we'll say that like we're gonna at least have some amount of this read by the by the next time we record by next time. Yeah. Holy cow! Well, not only do you want to say like you we want to say like we'll read not the whole thing, but like you want to read the first two chapters or something like you, I don't know what, I don't remember how long the chapters I'll are. I'll do these a little bit at a time. Uh, I was going to say like once a month, we should just have a whole book and we should talk about it. Yeah. Okay. If you, but but good. if you want to do a little bit at a time, cause there's a lot in this book, that might be a good idea. You, you know more about this book than I do. I only know 23 pages and, <laughs> and probably I only know 12 Ooh. of those. <laughs> should do a serious book like that and then like a murder mystery <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. like a palate cleanser 
<laughs> Sherlock Holmes stuff. A nice paperback. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we'll figure it out. All right, we'll figure it right. out. Anyway, I'm glad you had a good trip. Yeah. yeah sounds Welcome fun. back. Thank you. It was nice seeing you guys. Ben, right, thanks for coming. Talk to you later. Have fun and stuff on that. Thanks, Ben. It'll be fun. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for walking down to the office and yeah. doing this with us, Ben. Oh, it's uh, it's a pleasure. You can edit me out entirely. I think it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Just have blank space. Hey, Ben, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> but don't yeah, but don't cry about it. Just cut his voice <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, all right, y'all. All right, okay. see Bye, you. Bye. Bye. Bye.